Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. So, praise God, doesn't matter what it looks like outside. Today, I'm happy to be here. Amen. Um, we, don't we come up with some great words as Scots? Mingin, drich, mock it. You know, we, we just got great words to describe stuff. And I had a few of those expletives this morning when I got up <laughs> and looked outside the window. So um, I thought I'd have to come to church in my scuba gear. But praise God for rain. You know, some, some countries had, South Africa had a long, long drought not long ago. And everyone was on their knees praying for rain. And um, so, you know what? Uh, he's in control. I was listening to Pastor Tom's message yesterday, last, late last night, and he says it feels like the world is spinning out of control. But God is in control. He is in control. And he can turn the hearts of men and of kings. And so, this week I've been thinking about God's firsts again. And, you know, we're thinking about what God prioritizes. It's like, you know, Lord, your thoughts are not as our thoughts. Your ways are not as our ways. Lord, but what, is, what, what, are, what are your priorities? And um, I'm sure God has put the whole universe in order, so I'm sure he's not confused about that. But it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, in verse 9 in the Amplified Bible, it says that the eyes of the Lord move to and fro all over the earth so that he may support those whose heart is his. What a, what a great priority God has. He's looking, his eyes are moving all over the earth looking for people to support whose hearts are his. Isn't that good news? So, you know, and uh, that, in context, that was about King Asa who um, had acted quite foolishly, and God says, well, do you know what? If your heart's not for me, then from now on, all you're going to have is trouble. All you're going to have is wars and more wars. And I'm like, well, I wouldn't like that. So if, his, if our hearts are for him, he'll support us. The Amplified Version says support, support us. Amen. So, you know, I believe that God has every one of you and everyone listening he has your life as a priority. He wants to see it bettered. And today, as we start 21 days of prayer and fasting, are you all in, are you all in gear for that? I want to have a short message. I'll lead into a little bit. That didn't sound convincing. Short message leading into a little bit of info about the fast. And then we'll, we'll take tithes and offerings. But so I do want to speak a little bit about the fast this morning, but this morning this message is called Getting Out of the Doldrums, Getting Out of the Doldrums. And so, you know, thinking about God's first, it's always good to think about that in, in, the, in the first season of the year. I am convinced that God's, one of the, the, God's first and most important priority is relationships. Surely that surely it's relationships to that we would know him and that we would be known by him. Now, I don't say that because I know God knows every one of us inside and out. 
but it's being known by him in the sense that we are willing to give him an all-access pass. You know, if you go to a concert and you get a pass, it's like, oh, I want to see my favorite whatever singer. And it's like, I got a backstage pass, and that gets me into the inner sanctum of where these guys hang out and do cool stuff, and I can meet them and everything else. And so an all-access pass gets you into places that normally people just can't get to. And so it's like giving God that, Lord, you have total access to my life. You have total access to my deepest, innermost thoughts, the inner sanctum of my life. You have that. And then following on from that, it's making him known. It's all about relationships and introducing him to others. In fact, I think that, I think Daniel might be able to correct me. That's the YWAM motto is to be, is to know God and to make God known. And so it's all about relationships. And when you think about introductions, what is an introduction? It's a first, isn't it? An introduction is always something that comes first. It's right at the very beginning. And everything begins with an introduction. Someone or something set the scene or made a way for us to know someone or something new. Someone set that up. Isn't that right? There was an introduction. It's like, Lewis, let me introduce you to these new drumsticks. They're so cool. You get a completely different sound. Oh, I didn't know that. So I've just introduced Lewis to something that he's never seen before. This is a first. And life is so much, it's all about introductions. Introducing people to new things. The, 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 the greatness of God and, and, and not so much what, we, what he can do for us, but what we can do for him. And so much of that, people are in, in the, down in the dumps. People are in, have you ever heard anyone say, I'm just in the doldrums? And there's a way out of the doldrums. There's a way out of that. In fact, this fast for the next 21 days in Isaiah, it says, is this not the fast that I have chosen? To, to, to loose your bonds, to break the yoke, to, to get you out of the, I think it's like, I'm going to bring you up out of the, the molly grubs. It's Pastor Bernie that used, likes to use that one, I think, the molly grubs. I'm going to bring you up out of that. And so, you know, there's a lot, there's, you know, when we think about how, what can we say to people, how can we get into conversation with people about our faith, about God, Think about introductions. Think about introducing them to something totally new. And sometimes in life we hear about things, all sorts of things, and word reaches us, and it's like, yeah, we've heard about these things, social things, cultural things, news issues, laws, decrees, projects, promises that people make, but we haven't seen it yet, okay? So people are always talking about new things. This is coming, this is on the way, and it comes from every side, doesn't it? In your social media feed, on the TV, in the newspapers. And so much of it, I'm beginning to find out, is totally ethereal. It's pie in the sky. There's so much information out there, and so much of it we cannot discern if it is truthful or not. And since we feel mostly disconnected to the people 
that actually have quite a significant bearing on how the quality of our lives and what happens with our lives and how we experience life, we don't really know what to do with all this news that's coming our way, all this information about new things happening and things that are going on. Do we accept it? Do we reject it? Do we um, seek someone else's opinion on it? Do we research it? Do we fact check it? Do we dwell on it and meditate on it? Do we love it or loathe it? Do we, do we trust it or do we fear it? And I feel and I sense and I'm kind of echoing something a little bit like what Pastor Tom said. I feel the, the foundations for all that they are, the, the, the pillars of our world are crumbling fast. They're not sure and they're not certain. Economies, societies, cultures, all of that kind of thing. There's a, there's a real, we talked last year about deconstruction, but it's, there's a disintegration going on now. And you know, the people in Jesus' time, they heard stories too. They would, have, they would have heard stories. And there's no doubt about it, when these words hit them or wherever they were, it would have aroused their curiosity. For some of them, it would have ignited a hope in them that at last someone authentic and real can change the condition of my life. Someone, I'm hearing things about this man, and if it's true, if it's authentic and it's real, then this man can actually change my life. And there was something different about Jesus. And I believe that they felt that, they sensed that. They knew that in this man, Jesus, there was power. And there was power to change their lives. Now, what happens usually is the news or the words or your reputation, that's always a, a good one. You know, wherever you go, your reputation always gets there ahead of you. You know, your reputation precedes you. But, you know, with, with Jesus, you know, the word would, the, the news of his arrival or wherever, it was like Zacchaeus last week. He'd heard that Jesus was coming and was on his way through. The word reached people first. But the thing is with Jesus, he followed the word with a demonstration. So after the words and the, whatever they'd heard, he arrives and he confirms what the words have been saying. Amen. He confirms that. So it was only where he was rejected. So where, wherever Jesus was rejected, where his faith, where, sorry, where faith in his ability was doubted, wherever that happened, in those places he couldn't do a single miracle. He couldn't do anything powerful. And that's, that's what the, the word says, a, a prophet is without honor in his own hometown. Sometimes, sometimes, and uh, you'll be, you'll, you, this will be good news to you if you're sitting here and you're from another country, is that sometimes your, your anointing is increased exponentially the further away you get from your, from your house. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, he's, he's, just, he's just David. He's just, he's just that guy. Yeah, we know him. We see him down the street. And we see him doing this. We see him doing that. And yet, when you go abroad to another place, you're received. And your anointing seems to be exponentially multiplied. Why is that? Oh, maybe it's just human nature. But here, so, you know, so 
wherever Jesus went, where people received him and would not doubt in his ability, they received. Amen? And so it's an incredible thing. Jesus, I believe he was all about relationships. And um, some of the relationships he had thrived and some of them dived. But it wasn't because he didn't want relationship. But he was wise. Amen. And it's one thing for us as people, as we get into relationship and we discover that there, the doubts and the issues that we have that punctuate our relationships, our interpersonal relationships. And I often ask, why is that? And the, the simplest answer I can come up with is because I'm just human, I'm fallible. Um, we're, all, we're, we're all flesh. And so we, we're, we have this wrestling with the carnal things. But sooner or later, we're going to feel let down and disappointed. And if you are really at the sharp end of things, you might even be betrayed and hurt very badly. And we've probably, all of us, been on the giving or the receiving end of that to some extent. Would you agree with that? Yet some of us want to place more, should I say, faith, maybe faith's not the right word, more confidence in earthly relationships than in a heavenly relationship. And God, as I believe, is saying to us at the start of this year, do not place your confidence in men. Place your confidence and your trust in me. Amen? Because he's the only one capable of total truth. He's the only one truly capable of satisfying everything that we have need of. Isn't that right? We can, place our, we can try and place our trust and our hope in people around us. And I, I, I have to say I trust my wife. <laughs> I better say that. I, of course, I trust, I trust my wife. You know, um, but we have to be discerning, don't we? In, in all of our relationships. But he, you'll never be let down by the Lord. You know, in, in Colossians 1.18, it says that Jesus is preeminent in all things. He surpasses everything. He'll surpass every, you, he'll bless our earthly relationships and he'll cause them to be fruitful and he'll cause them to give us, a, be a great source of joy to us. But a relationship with him will surpass all of that. Because, you know, when you wake up, and if you've been there, raise your hand. When you wake up with night sweats and you have a terror come on you in the middle of the night, even you can turn around to your nearest and dearest who's lying next to you and know that they cannot help you. The only person that can help you is the Lord God Almighty. When the terror tries to come upon you, there's no one that you can turn to apart from him. Amen? So... This year, if you've never done it before, make it a first this year. Make this a year of pursuit. And you know what, really? All that means is make it a year of devoted following. Pursuit is the art of following. Make this a year of following. And I was listening to BBC Scotland when I was in the car yesterday. And some people are now talking about how do we drive up the happiness of our young people or people in general in society and when I got onto it, they were talking about stuff in schools. And they said, you know, we want to, how do we make people happier? 
without, without doing it in a bad way, without it having negative effects. And one of the pundits on the radio show said, it's not the pursuit of happiness that should be emphasized, but the happiness in the pursuit that should be emphasized. But the thing is, no one is, no one is, no one is pursuing anything. If you have no vision, if you have no aim, then you can't derive any happiness out of pursuing anything. You are just looking for momentary happiness whenever you can get it. Is that not right? And so I had a message for today, and I changed it. The message, the message for today actually was called Back to Life, Back to Reality, but it was changed to getting out of the doldrums. And the reason I changed the message this morning is because I received this, I received this, um, where is it? I received this prayer yesterday, and it was, um, it was done by Dr. Ugo, down in our, um, who's down in our Air Branch Church. And I read it, and I thought, I can't, I can't not do this today. And when you leave today, there's going to be a pile of these at the back door that you can take one with you. And I would like to go through this with you this morning, and it ties up in how we get out of the doldrums. And he's entitled it 2022, 2022, one year of great growth in the power and might of his word and spirit. And it's all from Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 3. And after every verse, Dr. Ugo has a prayer that has come out of that verse. And I'd like to share them with you. In verse 3, in Luke Chapter 5 in the King James Version of the Bible. That's the one with the these and the those. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And the prayer that came out of that was, will we make our hearts, our gifts, and our talents available for God and his word to take a hold of us this year? Will you make your hearts, talents, and gifts available for God and his word to take hold of us? And in verse 4, it says, Now we ha when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let your nets down, let down your nets for a draft. Okay. And the prayer that came out of that was, allow God to get his work done while he's in our ship, while he's in our lives. We are going to launch out to the deep, a deeper experience with God and grow in the power of his word and spirit. We should hear clear divine instructions on what to do and how to do them as a church. Ask God for our spiritual ears and eyes to be open for instructions this year because instructions are for life. That's a good prayer. To grow in the power of his word and spirit. And then in verse five, it says, and Simon answering said unto him, master, we have toiled all night and we have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Who knows what toil feels like? 2021 was a toiling kind of year. I certainly felt that. It was a year of kind of much toil. It was a year of much toil. 
So, but Jesus says, let it down. Let your net down. So he says, nevertheless, okay, at your word, I'll let it down. And the prayer that came out of that was complete submission to God's directive and demands, having faith in his word, complete submission to his directives. You know, in God's kingdom, something has to be blessed before it can multiply. Whenever, wherever Jesus was with people, what did he do? If they were eating, what did he do? He blessed. He blessed. Whenever Jesus blessed something, it multiplied. When he blesses your life, your life will multiply. When he, his blessing is on this church, amen, it'll multiply. So it has to be blessed. But it has to be given to the Lord first. What do we give to him? We give him our, our, our trust. So if he says, do this, yeah, I'm going to do it. What did these men give that caused them to catch so many fish? They gave Jesus the opportunity. They didn't close their, their lives off and their ears off to Jesus. They gave him the opportunity. The other thing they gave up was their excuses. Listen, we've been doing this an awful, an awful long time. We know these waters. We've been fishing here a long time. We know co-winning. We know Irvin. We know Ayrshire. Let me tell you, this is going to be hard. This is going to be that hard. Jesus is basically saying, let down your nets. Let down your nets. Oh, but we know Kilwinnon. That's where the mother lodge is. Lodge zero is in Kilwinnon Main Street. The orange order, it's the stronghold of... We know, don't you know, Jesus, that we know Ayrshire. Let down your nets. Let down your net. Go out. Now we, we know it. It's a fact. These men gave up what was a fact to them. The facts would say, this is the prevailing conditions. It's always been like that. You'll never change it. It'll change. Any of you ever heard the story of Dagon? I don't remember what book of the Bible it's in. It's about this idol that they erected in some temple. And uh, they brought, I'm trying to remember now, I'll get this completely wrong, I think, but they brought something sacred. Was it the ark? They, it was the ark. I knew it. They brought the ark into the temple, and uh, they came in the next morning, and Dagon, the statue, had fallen flat on its face. And how many times did that happen? I think it happened maybe twice or something. But I think eventually the, the, the idol was shattered in the press. You know what? You can see brick, stone, cement, mortar. That's going nowhere. Let me tell you, in the presence of God, you can, that's dust. That's of, that's, there's nothing of substance and strength. When God's, there's nothing compared to his word. Amen? And in verse 6, it says, when they had done, when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net brake. And the prayer that came out of that was doing what God has asked us to do this year. We shall have the multitude dimension of numerical growth. And that is, that is truly our hearts, is to see numerical growth. If, I, if God has a recording angel, do you know that? He has a recording angel, then I know that numbers are important to God. 
Of course they are. Relationships and souls are important to him. Amen. And then in verse 7, they beckoned unto their partners which were in the other ship that they should come and help them. And they came and they filled both the ships so that they began to sink. Dr. Ugo's prayer for that was, let's pray for strategic partnerships for a great harvest. Let's not just be the bridge church here on our own doing our thing. We need to be open. We need to be open. We need to be accommodating, inviting. We need to work with partners. Amen. The blessing this year will spill over to affect our partners, neighbors, and community. We already have partners using our hall and our other hall. We want that to increase. We want to be a blessing to, the part, to organizations in the town, whether they're Christian or not. Amen. God blesses partnership. When we enter into a covenant and we partner with someone on purpose, for a purpose, and we do it by the leading of the Spirit, okay, because I've been in some bad partnerships. So not every family, not every partnership's a good partnership. I've been in some, I've been in some not good partnerships. And so, but if it's Spirit-led, and it's not just a good idea, then we can accomplish the goal. Verse, moving to verse 10, and so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. Um, and verse 11, and when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. The prayer that came out of that was, make no room for fear in your lives. God should make us fishers of men by bringing people to church, bringing people to church and winning souls for the kingdom. Amen. Finally, submit all our struggles to God and let him have his way. He knows the best way to achieve results. It's his church. Let's ask him to do his work in and through him. This is his church. The utility bills might have given me a knock, knee, a knock knee a day or two ago, but they don't scare him. What it, what the, 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 whatever it takes to run the ministry, it might look Ugh, to me, but it's not to him. It's not to him. We just have to put our faith in him, confess daily, say what you see, what, the Lord, what God has put in your spirit. Amen. In 1 Samuel 12, 6, Samuel said to the people, it's the Lord that advanced Moses and Aaron and brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. It's always the Lord that it brings advance, that brings us up, that get, brings us up out of the doldrums. I think the Israelites in Egypt were in the doldrums. But I want to say this to you this morning. The, being in the doldrums is not a feeling, it's a place. Because I didn't know where the word doldrums came from. And the doldrums is actually a place. You can go there. It exists five degrees to the north and the south of the equator. And it's a place, at least if you're a sailor, nothing happens. There's no wind to propel the sails. And you can be becalmed for days and days on end. Because the tropics meet there. 
The norther, northerly and southerly tropics meet there and they create atmospheric conditions that are not good for sailing or mo moving. So it's a place of stagnation. You can't get going. So I hope you've left at least with something this morning that the doldrums is not a feeling, it's a place. You can be where, if you're in the doldrums, it's not because you feel like you're in the doldrums, it's because you're in a place where, there's, where it's stagnant and where there's no movement. And God is going to, by the wind of his spirit, put wind in your sails to get you out of the doldrums. Amen? That's what he'll do. In the doldrums, there's, there's also in the doldrums, there's very sudden and unpredictable storms that happen. But it's a place of stagnation and a depression in the atmosphere, so nothing happens there. And you know what? So if it feels to you like this last few years has been total drudgery, <laughs> actually, maybe some of you are thinking, my whole life's been total drudgery. Drudgery. I wanted, I wanted, one of my favorite people to read about was David Livingston. He was nine years in a spinning mill. That's the, uh, that's the epitome of drudgery in a spinning mill over near Hamilton somewhere. The spinning mill was over there somewhere. But God never took his hand off David Livingston's life. While David Livingston was in, I think people around him might have perceived it as being drudgery. He learned botany, mathematics. Um, he studied and God had his hand on his life because he knew that David Livingston was going to leave drudgery and go to Africa and emancipate slaves and take the, the gospel to Africa. And thank God that David Livingston got out of the, the, out of the spinning mill. One of his mentors said to him one time, David, make, or they, he called it religion, let's call it Christianity. Make Christianity the everyday business of your life, not a thing of fits and starts. Because if you don't, then temptation and other things will get the better of you. And sometimes we are in these, we get into waters where it's like fits and starts. There's like, oh, there's a wee breeze, that'll carry me for a few months and then there's a calm, a becoming, and you're in, you're in the molly grubs again. And it's like that. But he says, if you will make, if you will seek first, Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and, and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. In the next 21 days, it's a time for us to leave the doldrums and to seek first the kingdom of God. And to actually, if you've never done it before, take this fast seriously because it's going to be very important in the life of the church going forward this year. I really believe that. And you'll also receive another thing when you leave here today, which is this here, which is our prayer and fasting calendar, all right, for 21 days so that we can take Dr. Ugo's confession, and we can take this and we can begin to come into alignment together and pray for these needs, seeking, believing, and choosing. But seek first the kingdom of God. And that is what we're going to do this year. Make a sacrifice now. 
Let's make the sacrifice now. You know, love and sacrifice go hand in hand. Sacrificial love is love and sacrifice. They go hand in hand. And I believe that, I don't know about you guys, but whenever I make a sacrifice, if I do not, this is going to sound, uh, it's not going to come out the right way. I just know it. But when, when I sacrifice, if I do not feel a certain level of discomfort and pain, I know that it's not a sacrifice. Because I know that sacrifice will truly take me beyond what I am willing to do or to give. That's why, that's, that's why his sacrifice is so powerful. Because he, he went beyond. And so God says, Bring a sacrifice to, to me, but not something that costs you nothing. It'll cost us. So a couple of things. As we go to deny ourselves of some things, and I want to say, if you have health or medical conditions, do not do anything silly. Common sense would say, do not. We want to see you at the end of the fast. Let's just put it that way. Some of us, you might see half of us. Some of you will see all of you. But if you have a condition that prevents you from doing a food fast, then wait on the Lord and he'll give you a fast. Now, a fast is primarily the abstinence from food. More specifically, pleasant food. <laughs> that's, the, that's the hard one when all of our, our pantry is full of everything that's the color beige, all right? Caramel, all that stuff. But it's, it's, it's to abstain from food for a season. And there's going to be information. If you want information about the fast, if you go to the website, John has kindly put a link under our resources page to a fasting resource, yes? Uh, there you go. The, uh, it's, uh, it's hot off the press. And the, there's also an app. If you go to Free Chapel, this is the third year we've synchronized with Pastor Jensen and Free Chapel because their fasting resources are second to none. And you can download the app for your fast as well. But you know, your bodies, our bodies will protest. But I can tell you, after you've broken through that early part of the fast, you, you will start to experience God's provision in every way. You, 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 you will make a breakthrough. Amen. And um, as we abstain from things that are common and normal to us, let's lean on him even more, depend on him even more during the fast. Amen. So there's a wee verse I'd like to read you in Proverbs 25, verse 16. Have you found honey? Eat only as much as you need lest you be filled with it and vomit. Yeah, the Bible uses that word, vomit. The Amplified Version says, have you found pleasure that is sweet like honey? So not just the actual stuff that Winnie the Pooh liked, but actual things that are like honey. Wow, that tastes good. Eat only as much as you need. Otherwise, being excessively full of it, you will vomit it up. And we've all had our fill of nice things, thanks be to God, and now it's time 
for us to bring our bodies under control. Amen? I'm not saying that you're all out of control, okay? You're, you know, we, we, you know, I look to, I, 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 sorry, Alex, for using you as an example, but I, every time I see Alex walking that coast, Lord, I say, what discipline. I wish I <laughs> had the same, the same discipline and willpower to get up and to, to do that. But you know what? Willpower will not get you through this fast. The only thing that will get you through this fast is, is, is doing the fast that God has chosen for you. Nothing else. We've tried it. We've tried the whole, this is what we're doing, and we just didn't wait on the Lord, and we thought we're just going to do a fast. Mm. We wait on the Lord. He'll give you your fast. Whether it's a Daniel fast, which is fruit, vegetables, no meat, bread, or dairy, whether it's a partial fast of some sort, whether, but the whole point of our fast is that when you would normally be eating or preparing food, you, you go and you be with the Lord. That's, that's a devotional time that we substitute. Amen. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter. Thank you.